Hello, hello. Welcome to the show. I'm Joy Dooling, and you are listening to the Joy of Membership podcast. This podcast is for membership leaders. So we talk about strategies for attracting, engaging, and retaining members. But that's not entirely the focus of the show, because let's be honest here, there is no shortage of advice out there on best practices in membership. What we need to talk about is how to actually make those things possible in the real world, how to be absolutely sure that growth practices are going to stick, how to make those things easier, more consistent, and even automatic in some cases. Sound good? Then stick around because we're about to jump into it. Hey there, I'm Joy Dooling, host of the Joy of Membership podcast. Welcome to the show. If you are here in the U.S., I hope you had a beautiful Thanksgiving this past week, but it's good to be back with you. I have some great episodes planned for you over the next few weeks in this busy holiday season as we head into 2022. It is so hard to believe that we are at that point. This week, my guest is Ray Cornell from Cornell Content Marketing, a full-service marketing agency specializing in building powerful long-term relationships between customers and subscription brands. Ray shares my love for understanding human behavior. She's a background in psychology, and she brings that perspective into every strategy she crafts and every piece of content she creates. Today, I ask Ray specifically about creating content when you're lean on team. I mean, how much do you really need to do? And how do you make the most of limited resources in this area? Ray provides some very practical advice that I think you're going to find useful and perhaps a bit comforting if you tend to get overwhelmed thinking about all the content that you should be producing for your members and your prospective members. So with no further ado, let's just jump into this week's conversation. Hey, Ray, welcome to the program. I'm so glad you could join me today. Thank you so much for having me. This is so exciting. I love absolutely everything, memberships and subscriptions. So I'm just so pleased to be here. Thank you. Well, you and I have been working in the membership arena for about the same amount of time, because I think you told me before we started recording about 15 years for you. Is that right? So I've been doing content marketing and copywriting for about 15 years, but I really just niched down into the subscription and membership industry about four years ago. Okay. Okay. We had similar trajectories in that I started my business back in 2005 and I did a little bit of a mix. And then it was in around 2017 that I fully niched down and rebranded and was like, all right, membership organizations is where I'm going to serve. So awesome. Let's start with telling everybody who you are and who you help. Sure. So as you said, I'm Ray Cornell and I run Cornell Content Marketing. I've been working in the digital marketing space since 2007. I started out as a copywriter, content creator, and a web developer. And over the years, 
I gradually built from being this kind of freelance solopreneur person into having a full agency. And now I run a team of about 25 people located all over the world. And we do full service content marketing specifically for subscription brands. And those subscriptions often include a membership component, whether they are specifically membership communities or if they are subscription products that have a membership component. So think like Peloton, you know, they have the hardware and then the software you subscribe to and then they have the community membership element. So that's really where we hone in. Oh, awesome. So whenever I talk with someone about content marketing, I always feel like there's an elephant in the room. And that is that I think everybody knows that content marketing is important. I think there are just all of these other questions like how much, how little, are we bugging people, frequency, all that sort of thing. So can you talk a little bit first about how do we know how much and how often we should be reaching out to our audience? That's an excellent question. So my response to that is always whatever you can handle because consistency is key consistency is so much more important than frequency in content marketing. And that goes for all things. It goes for SEO. You need to be consistent in order to get the SEO benefits out of your content creation. It also pleases the social media algorithms when you're posting there consistently. And then also for the sheer fact of building relationships with the people on your list or in your audience or in your membership. And that includes those who are already signed up and those who have yet to sign up. You want to show up consistently so that they can have some sort of expectation around when they're going to see you, when they're going to hear from you. And that builds that trust factor. And you know, one thing I'll, I'll say is my background is all in psychology and criminology, human behavior, much like you. I know you have a social work background and that layer of making sure that you are layering in trust, emotional connection with people, with every piece of content that you create that really starts with your consistency and your reliability. So everything that I do within my content marketing agency is based around psychological principles of how to build these strong, intrinsic connections with people, not just, oh, you know, I need to sign up for this because I'm going to get 20% off or, you know, whatever that might be, that more surface level motivator. But once you have your consistency down, and this is something that you can build over time. So don't think that you have to jump into publishing twice a day or five times a week or, you know, whatever you see the so-called big dogs in the market doing. You don't have to do that. You just have to start with what you can realistically commit to and then build up to what your ultimate goal is there over time. I love that approach because sometimes it feels like organizations are producing content just for producing content. And I think producing things that are well-constructed and impactful, even if you are producing it less frequently, is more important than just churning out things that don't have that emotional connection like you were describing. Yes, it's all about the quality, not the quantity. And if you're ever in doubt, ask your audience. (laughs) 
I mean, we are doing this for, uh, there's a Canvas consulting firm that I've been writing for for years. And we just added this layer into their email newsletters where we're asking them, what is the ideal length of podcast for you? Because they have their own podcast. And we are so surprised by the responses that we're getting. But people want to answer questions like that. They want to be helpful. They want to give you feedback. So if you're asking yourself, are we publishing too much? Are we emailing our list too much? Send out a survey. Ask, how often would you like to hear from us? And they'll tell you. So what if you're putting out content and you're asking questions like that, but you're hearing crickets? Does that mean that you're missing the mark? Do you assume that you're missing the mark on your content or Uh, What does that mean when you feel like you're just getting crickets? Yeah, that's a great question. So it really depends on which platform you're using to ask the question. For example, if you are sending out an email blast to your audience, that's where I would say, look at your deliverability rates. Look at your open rates. If your open rates are high, but your click-through rates are low, that means there's something wrong with your copy. Maybe you are using too many images. Maybe it's too visually heavy. Maybe it's loading really slowly and people are Xing out of the email before they ever get a chance to see the button or read what you're asking about. Plain text emails have something like a 55% higher engagement rate than heavily visual emails. So if you're ever doing something like Dunning emails or a survey, just send it in plain text. Now, if you are sending out the question over social media, that's where there are so many other factors that could be coming into play. Are you using the right hashtags? What's your profile standing in the algorithm? Are people engaging in your other content, but not this post in particular? There's so many other things that you have to ask yourself that could provide you with direction and meaning behind what's actually happening. So don't assume that it's your content. There could be a number of other things going on. Okay, that's that's good advice. So most of my clients um, are not the Pelotons of the world. They are small organizations, small teams, small budgets. Do you have some tips for how they can improve their content marketing that are going to fit like small teams and smaller budgets than what Peloton might have? Yes. So if you're working with a small budget and a small team, it's all about maximizing your time and maximizing the output from the time that you are able to invest. So there are a number of things that I like to do with companies that have small teams when their expertise is wrapped up in the head of the people who wear the most hats and have the busiest schedules. And one of those things is interview-based content. So if you have a small team, you're likely operating from a place of unique expertise. There's something that you and your small team do differently than other organizations, than other membership programs, than other nonprofits, than other companies. And so it's that expertise that people need to hear about. They need to know, why are you different? Why do you exist? And so what we do with our clients is we interview those CEOs, those program directors, and it takes about 20 minutes once a month to hop on a call, download their thoughts, And then from that 20-minute call, I'm able to turn that into a blog post, which can then be broken up into social media content. We can also use clips from that interview to put over a 
kind of like slide-based video if they want to use that on social media, on LinkedIn, on something like TikTok, depending on what your business is, if that's where your audience is. And then we can also turn that content into an email, into a newsletter. So how could you take the small pockets of time that you do have and repurpose content in many different ways? Because the thing is, a lot of people think that Oh, we wrote this in a blog post, so we can't possibly also talk about it on a social media post or in an email newsletter. People are not consuming every single piece of your content. Everyone has different preferences. Some people, like myself, I would hate to have to watch a two-minute video, but I will read a 2,000-word blog. So if you repurpose your content in different ways, you're speaking to different audiences and you're catering to those different ways that people like to consume content. So if there's one person in your team who can be in charge of the content creation and just schedule those little pockets of time with the experts on the team who hold all of that knowledge, you can get so much more done in a small amount of time and really maximize the output of all of those pieces of content that you're able to create. You know, Ray, I like that suggestion a lot. And I guess one of the reasons why I like it a lot is because it rings true for me. My own content production became a lot more consistent when I started choosing a topic each week and repurposing. The podcast ties into the blog article, which ties into my weekly email, which ties into the social posts, and they're all connected. So I'm doing the podcast interviews. I write my article, but then the person on my team who is primarily responsible for marketing, she's able to take that and make all of the other pieces happen and put the content where it needs to go. So that definitely rings true. Exactly. Yeah. And really think about how you like to create content or the person who you need being the voice of your content likes to work. So some people you cannot get them to respond to an email. They are just too busy. But if you use something like Voxer, they can send you an audio message while they're walking to the mailbox, while they're in line at the grocery store, when they're in between meetings. So there are all these different tools that allow you the flexibility to get that information that you need in order to create the content. Another problem that we notice a lot nowadays is people just have too many meetings. They have too many appointments scheduled on their calendar, and yet there are some things that need to be both audio and visual. So there's a tool called Loom, and there's also all sorts of other kind of like screen recording tools that you can use where one person can go, okay, I know it's 10 o'clock at night, but I'm going to show you how to do this now. I'm going to give you this training. I'm going to show you these visuals. And that can often turn into blog content, audio clips, social media, email content, Pinterest pins, graphics, all the things. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think you're the first person that I've interviewed for this podcast to mention a Voxer to go back a couple of minutes. You know, I actually had listened to a podcast a while back that all the episodes were recorded over Voxer. So it's just amazing oh what you could use some of these, you know, some of these apps and some of these tools to produce content in really creative ways. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's really all about how can you get it done in the way that is most conducive to the ways that your experts on your team like to work. 
Because if you're not creating content, you can't create that connection with your audience, with your members. It has to happen. So how can you get it done easier, faster, more efficiently? So are there any types of content that are working better than other types right now? Or does it purely depend on your audience, depend on what you like to do? Is it is it just unique to your specific situation? Yes, it's really unique to your audience. So for example, if we think of something like Mudwater. So I love Mudwater. I subscribe to Mudwater. It's this alternative to coffee. And they have this fantastic email newsletter that goes out called Trends with Benefits. And it's just information about mushrooms and adaptogens and all the things that are in their products that you want to learn about. And it's delivered via email. I think they sent it out maybe once a week or maybe twice a month or something like that. But that's perfect for their business and their audience because they don't necessarily need to build a community. I'm not really going to feel like I need to be surrounded by people who drink the same thing I drink in the morning, but I need to have a relationship with that company. On the flip side of that, there are companies like Splendies, for example, which is a subscription company that sends you underwear. And they have the cutest uh, community on, I think it's on Facebook, where they're subscribers can say, hey, I got these leopard print ones. These are really not my style. Who wants them? And they have panty swaps. I didn't know that it's just the most bizarre thing to think about, but that is the perfect sort of community for them to nurture. And that's where they post content because their people need to communicate with each other and feel close to each other and feel like they can talk and giggle and laugh about this silly little thing like a panty swap. So it really depends on your audience and the type of community that you're trying to build, whether you really need that relationship to be one-on-one between your brand and the subscriber, or if it needs to be more of a community group experience. I always say there's a membership for everything. Yes. (laughs) I have not heard of a membership that is organized around doing panty swaps, but that is a very interesting concept. Yeah. It's fantastic. (laughs) Awesome. So how can people connect with you, Ray? Oh, all the places. So you first everywhere. (laughs) Exactly. So for Cornell Content Marketing, we are on LinkedIn as well as Instagram and Facebook, or you can go to CornellContentMarketing.com and there you can download our content marketing checklist. We also have an SEO checklist that's a great resource for people who are just starting out creating their own content and want to make sure that it's checking all the boxes for Google's algorithms. Perfect. Okay. We'll put links to those in the show notes. Wonderful. Thank you. Sure. Thanks so much for your time today. We appreciate having you here. Thanks so much. It was a pleasure. Hey there, Joy here back with a few thoughts about this week's episode. So one of the things I really loved about this conversation with Ray is that she kept her advice very practical, which makes the whole process seem more doable, even if you have competing priorities, a small team, or a limited budget. The truth is that it doesn't have to be time-consuming or expensive to use content marketing as a strategy. However, the most important word in that sentence I just said is strategy. If you turn out content just because you think you should, 
without having any real strategy behind it, you might as well stand out on the street corner randomly handing out dollar bills. It will start feeling like that kind of wasted effort and wasted money because the results simply won't be what you hope they will be. Producing effective content, just like producing an effective member experience, requires intentional planning. Thought must be given to who it is you're speaking to, what's going to be relevant to them in this exact moment, and how you can best align your efforts for mutual benefit. Now, the mutual benefit part is important because if you produce content that is only good for you, you're going to lose your members' attention because you're not saying anything that they really care about. And if you produce content that's only good for your members or your prospective members, it's not necessarily going to help your organization achieve your growth outcomes because the content isn't being strategically directed toward an organizational goal. I would love to hear what your experience has been around content production. Have you found a magical place of balance, a win-win that works for your organization and for your members? Drop me a line, let me know. You can reach me, joy at joyofmembership.com. I would love to hear from you. Now that's going to bring us to a wrap on this week's episode. I will be back next week with another great interview. And in the meantime, take care. Hey there, you made it all the way to the end. Bravo to you. I'm back in just one last time to remind you that there's a free one-page PDF available over at the website that shows you more than 20 ways that technology could be supporting your efforts to attract, engage, and retain more members. It's actually broken down into the stages of the member journey, so you'll know exactly where each piece fits. And everything that's on that one pager can actually be automatically done for you with software that costs less than $1,000 per year. So if you haven't already grabbed it, you can get your copy at joyofmembership.com slash tech, joyofmembership.com slash tech, T-E-C-H. Have a great week and I'll see you next time.